0: Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of Vacation Rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guest's big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built Vacation Rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie.
1: We'll start the show in just a minute, but first a word from our premier brand sponsor, Wheelhouse. If you want to increase your revenue and profitability, you have to have the right tools and data. And Wheelhouse has everything you need to run your short-term rental business more effectively. Wheelhouse is the simplest and most powerful way to unlock your portfolio's revenue and profits. This game changing revenue management platform puts the industry's most powerful data right at your fingertips, allowing you to run your business exactly as you want to while saving you massive amounts of time. So you can have the right price every night and increase your revenue by an average of 39%. Wheelhouse is offering listeners of this podcast 50% off your first two months. Just go to usewheelhouse.com and enter promo code AlexAnnie at checkout, or tell them that you heard about this offer from the Alex and Annie podcast. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the Real Women of Vacation Rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we're joined today with Scott Bunts, who is the COO of Cabins for You. Scott, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. I have the two iconic ladies. So, <laughs> oh. yeah, uh, we're very excited to have you, and and thank you for for saying yes when we asked.
0: Yes, <laughs> uh, thank you very much.
1: Yeah, we're 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 excited to learn more about you and your involvement in the industry, and also about cabins for you. I know you guys have some really cool, innovative things going on. But for our audience that isn't familiar uh, with you, can you give a little bit of background on yourself?
2: Sure. Um, I've spent my entire career in the hospitality industry kind of going in between hotels, resorts, and vacation rentals. A little bit about my past. Uh, I was a vice president of revenue management for Radisson uh, Hotels in Europe. I was a vice president of sales and revenue management for Hilton International, for Canada, Caribbean, South America. Um, One of the my first introduction to the vacation rental side, I was a vice president of sales and revenue management for IntraWest Destination Resorts. And at okay. the time, they were the largest ski resort company in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went on to become vice president uh, of the western part of the United States with ResortQuest. Uh, I guess I'm really dating myself here. with. <laughs> <laughs> <tell me. laughs> Uh, I had my own company for uh, close to 10 years, consulting both in vacation rentals as well as hotels and resorts, Uh, and I joined Cabins For You about five years ago, and uh, I'm working for a family right now. Uh, The owners have uh, kind of stepped back and let me run the show, Um,
1: and it's been a fantastic ride all the way around. (laughs) Those are I'm some s- huge
0: names, the companies yeah. that you were
1: with. I didn't realize that you you were with Infrawest or ResortQuest actually. So that's really yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, I am actually, I did I did sneak peek at your um, at your LinkedIn profile and I was scrolling through and it was like, see more, see more, see more. You, you have a really long history. But I think what's interesting is, um, so I live in the panhandle and obviously InterWest has been, InterWest and ResortQuest both been very much part of the panhandle. So those were the two first companies that I knew about that were big and broad within vacation rentals. And when I went to Expedia, the last few years I was there, I managed the larger portfolio accounts on the key account level, and I dealt with Interwest and both ResortQuest, and then obviously they went to Wyndham. Um, but you know, two very different companies, but very much um, similar space. So I'd love to hear, like, obviously that's how you got into this. What 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 were your um, when you first got it, because you were you were a traditional hotel guy, like when you first got into vacation rentals, did you think like, oh my god, these people are like they have no idea what they're doing, and I need to help them, or did you, think you find it to <laughs> be the really lifeline? Or... Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, one of my first thoughts was uh, running a hotel uh, is child's play compared to vacation rentals. Yeah, and, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> with every owner, it's a different relationship. When you're dealing with a hotel, you might have one owner, you, there might be a consortium of owners, but you're running a vacation rental management company, you've got every owner on the on the planet thinking they know better. Yeah. But yep. some of the similarities is in distribution. God, I remember 25, 30 years ago dealing with OTAs. And yeah, you really wow. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's incredible. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where the OTAs really came on board and right. Parity is there not and <laughs> know, and yeah. are the OTAs going to take over or are they not? It's the same discussion yeah. that we have with uh, vacation rentals. So, part of it's very different and part of it is is just the same. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's, I'm glad it, you said it,
0: that about the owners. Um I always tell people when I went to Expedia again had had been Hotels moved into vacation rentals. When I got to Expedia, they said, "Well, what do you think we don't know about vacation rentals?" And I was like, "Where do I start?" Yeah, um, everything. And one of the, <laughs> the, way I, the way I described it, especially in markets where it's condo heavy, or but just in general on vacation rentals, is that. Every single property, every unit as a general manager with a different goal. Yeah. And that's a different, a great way of saying you know, it. they're, they, they literally have a different marketing mindset. They have a different revenue mindset. And trying to keep all of that in check without pulling all your hair out and wanting to just jump off the roof is, is, is a, exercise in futility most of the time, but you learn a lot. And I think that, you know, to your point, we were dealing with OTAs back 20 years ago, but they were still trying to tell you how like hotels needed to work. And so it was trying to find and finesse those conversations and try to find ways to make vacation rentals work on those sites and talk to those general managers and talk to those owners. And I don't think OTAs knew what they were getting into (laughs) when they, when Mm. they first started out. Um, But it's, it, it is, you, you said it right. It's a complex Crazy business.
2: It is. It is. But it's fun, right? You know that's that's, that's, (laughs) we're all in it for the challenge, and yeah, uh, yeah, we rise to the occasion. That's yeah,
1: yeah. So that's interesting too, though, that your your main background when you were with Radisson was in revenue management. And yeah. I mean, even through the other jobs too. So obviously, you're a finance guy. I mean, you're you're good with the numbers. So that's that makes sense for yeah. uh, why, why cabins for you would feel comfortable letting you run the ship for ship for them. Um, but I, I'm curious on you know the revenue management side. I know I've seen you speak at some of the panels at Darm and a couple other conferences, and it is very clear that you're familiar within that side of the business. But what what do you see as the biggest opportunities within the space and where? Revenue management is going, I guess, for vacation rentals.
2: Well, it was really exciting. I I hit that first Darm conference, and my heart warmed up because i i <laughs> used to give I used to give speeches on revenue management when I was based in Europe, throughout Europe, and oh wow, I even did it in hotel schools. And, and and to see that first Darm, oh my gosh, it was. I was like. Thank
1: God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did, you, did, you did look really happy at that conference. I remember seeing you on stage and you're smiling. So I didn't yeah. know why, but it makes sense. And, <laughs> and, and there's an
2: evolution just like the hotels went through with elect, electronic revenue management systems, right? Yeah. Uh, in hotels, when they first launched, people were the people that did or were early adopters, maybe had the mind frame that God, those revenue management systems will do everything. I'll just flip on a switch and walk away. Yeah doesn't work that way yeah it's interesting because i felt the same thing was happening in in the vacation rental world yeah we we had one two three five seven and you know you could just see people owners looking at it like oh my gosh i'm never going to have to deal with rates and it's just going to all be done and the reality is even to this day whether it's hotels whether it's A vacation rental management—you need a brilliant revenue manager. Yeah, yeah. Looking at it on a on a day to day basis. Yeah, you know, I I recall when I first when I was with Marriott a long time ago. uh, I was in the Bay Area when the Oakland A's—and I'm really dating myself—the Oakland (laughs) in uh, the World Series. No revenue management system was going to predict what happened. Right. That. And then when I was working in Europe, we uh, worked at a large property or with a large property at an airport that would fog in all the time. You know, flights were canceled left and right. And you know what? No revenue management system in the world is going to be able to handle that. Right, yeah. Here we are in vacation rentals and what we have in the panhandle, we've got hurricanes. No revenue management system is going to be able to, without manual intervention, deal with hurricanes. And up in the mountains in Tennessee, when there's a snow or ice storm, yeah. you use, it's a blend of algorithms and really bright people that uh, got their finger on the pulse at all times.
1: And also having to know your owners. I think that's the, that's the critical part of it, that even if you're just looking at the weather and stuff like that, that, that's not within our industry, it's so important to know your inventory and know what your goals are and where you can move things around, depending on what that owner's ambitions are too. But yeah, it, it's 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 interesting to see. I mean, it seemed like a few years ago, people were thinking that, okay, now we've got these tools, we can just turn it on and let it go. But then yeah. the, you know, the smart people in the industry that have been around for a long time said, I'm not turning my company over <laughs> to AI and just letting, <laughs> you know, just going with the wind because gosh, I mean, you could some bad decisions there. You can lose inventory over that. I mean, homeowners won't, won't stand for, you know, bad rates and <laughs> bad decisions. Yeah, so. That's
2: right. And and yeah. let's face it, Alex, we've got, we've got owners that have a floor rate that we wouldn't approve of. Right. My property is worth that much. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Or go below that. So yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in order to gain our Critical mass. We will yeah. take owners that will give us a floor rate that we don't buy off on. And then we have other owners that are like, fill her up and let's get her going. And yeah. And then there's a life cycle, right? You bring on a property, it needs to build up uh some awareness. History. Yeah. 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 You probably yep. have a little lower rate just to uh get guests in and, and develop a reputation. Um, And again, that needs a little manual intervention that just doesn't magically happen. Right. Revenue management system. Yeah. Now,
0: are you guys using any revenue management softwares, like like external from what you guys have? Have you built something or are you using a software? So we started
2: uh, by hiring a hospitality MBA. And uh, that particular candidate was really good. And that particular candidate was brilliant in looking at the system as a whole. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, boom, uh, he got a little experience and he (laughs) was sucked out by another company and we had to start over. Oh no. That was was our next thing. We we ran and got another MBA type. (laughs) We were all excited. And this employee was really good at micromanaging uh, owners, Uh, but he caught in the weeds. And then couldn't look at at the, the, the big picture. Portfolio yeah, yeah, spectrum. yeah. So here's where we are today. We're using RevMax. Uh, we're on Streamline. Okay. Okay. And we actually hired the RevMax developer uh, to work as our de facto revenue management uh, individual. And, okay. Desiree. Uh, Desiree, she's brilliant. She's a yes, brilliant, yeah. brilliant woman. Yes, and uh, she, we meet with her weekly, and of course, the first two, three weeks, it was a little rocky start, as anybody would. Right yeah. now, we're in a groove. We're loving it. Yeah, uh, she, we've given our our philosophy on how we work, and she's integrated that into the system, and we are rocking and rolling and outperforming uh,
1: our competitive set. Couldn't be happier. I, I was going to say, I mean, you probably right. couldn't get anybody better than the person that right. helped develop <laughs> <Yeah>. the product <laughs> to, yeah. to, to manage it for yeah. you. So that's great. What a great advantage you have there. Yep. That's interesting. So uh, your, your inventory now, You're obviously, you're in the Smokies. I know that. But we're, you're in other locations too, correct?
2: We are. We are in a growth mode. Uh, we started out in Gatlinburg in Pitch and Pitch Forge and grew into Sevierville. Uh, okay. Still in all three of those markets. Uh, we're actually based in Cartersville, Georgia, and so there is a big vacation uh, market in North Georgia, and so we started organically uh, growing in Blue Ridge and Um uh, mm-hmm. Beginning of the year, we bought uh, a company in Big Canoe, Mountain Vista Rentals uh, in North Georgia. We bought uh-huh. Blue Ridge Vacation. Uh, also wow. in North Georgia. So so now North Georgia is taken off and it is full-fledged. Uh, we are starting organically in uh, Panama City Beach, as well as Destin and 30A. So very small portfolio, but we are hunting companies down right now. Yeah, and yeah. I would <laughs> love to give you some great news if I wasn't yeah. under
1: Oh in the well, NBA, so you know you're gonna to have to come back and share yeah. the great news once
0: you're able I'm just gonna run out. down the beach this weekend and see if I can figure it out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. We're on on the <laughs> scene. Uh,
0: So are you are it's you awesome. gonna are you looking to have so you have cabins for you? Or are you gonna have like cottages for you? Like what is be? condos you know, for you, you? Yeah, condos <laughs> for you. What is it gonna be?
2: You know, we're in the process of rebranding because we've we've recognized that you know, Cabins For You can't be the name for right. yeah. traditional vacation homes, beach homes, condos. Right. Could CFY is the acronym for Cabins For You also work for Condos For You? It can, but we've mm-hmm. got homes that we manage. Yeah. So, so Condos For You isn't going to work either. So, you know, we're kind of going in the direction of CFY Rentals, CFY Vacation Rentals, but we already have now websites for Georgia CFY, Florida CFY, uh, Alabama is coming soon as well. Oh, but, wow. But, but we're not ready to launch a a, a full
1: mothership. What about vacation adventure? rentals for you? Is that taken? Well, Probably. You
2: know, I, again, <laughs> anything, anything's on the table right now.
1: We're, we're working through it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that's funny though. It just it reminds me of a story here from from Condo World when we do real estate sales. Like we we sell houses too, and that's one of the things that Roy would always say was that you know Condo World may be our name, but it's not our only domain. <laughs> that, you know, we've got a wider vicinity there, but uh, that 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 has been a little bit of a challenge, especially as we go into other markets when we want to add beach homes and stuff. And some people will ask, well, does that just condos? And, you know, some people just assume or they associate the word condos with, Overall vacation rentals. So people, when they're talking about beach homes, they could say condo, but they actually need a beach home. So the uh the way that we, that we call all of our inventory can sometimes be complex. And especially now that you add in short-term rentals, STR as another yeah. alternative. We get so many questions on that of people asking, you know, is a vacation rental a short-term rental? Is a short-term rental a vacation rental? I think the best way, Annie, that we've figured out how to say it is that all vacation rentals are short-term rentals short-term. but not all short-term rentals are vacation rentals i mean i think it's like a riddle mid-term. here or something but
0: yeah uh,
2: <laughs> yeah
1: not to mention snowbirds in florida and oh, oh yeah
2: California. yeah exactly
0: a well, couple yeah. of
1: months it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah so
0: that yeah. then that becomes like midterm rentals yeah monthly rentals like a lot of there's just too many there's just too many rental out there
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, Interesting. So I've got a question, Scott. We actually, the first time that I I really got to talk with you was back earlier this year, we went to Vegas and we were both on a panel at the GeneX conference that Amy Highnote asked us to go out there. Um, It was you, me, um, Ryan Dame, Lino Maldonado, but we we had a great panel and it was about the convergence of vacation rentals and um, timeshare vacation clubs and is there a way to work together? Um, And I think that's a really interesting discussion and one that we are just really trying to learn as much as we can about it. Um, But you actually, you work with some timeshares in your market. So can you tell us a little bit about how you've done that and the success that you've had? Funny enough, uh, my first experience
2: was in a hotel and we were accepting uh, the guests of timeshare uh, while they were coming to take a a tour of the timeshare. Uh, This was down in Fort Myers, Florida, so long ago, I don't even want to tell you when. <laughs> and so when the opportunity came around this time, it, it was easier for me to make the leap of faith that this is a great partnership. Yes. Yeah. So yes. In Tennessee, uh, we do have a partner and we are booking, ah, you know, some nights it could be 15, 20 uh, nights uh, and it's a little less on high demand uh, periods. So it it comes down back to a revenue management exercise. You can have flexible pricing weekday, weekend. You can have uh, blocks that fill up so you can be a preferred partner on a year-round basis. You can do a free sale so you can let as many in if you don't think that you're going to sell out and uh, adjust the rates for holidays. And it's a great... Partnership for us, and we're we're really excited to be on the leading edge of that. And so, yeah, it's it's again another revenue management exercise, another partnership. Yeah. We consider it almost like another OTA for us. Yeah, that makes There's sense. Another that channel sense. that, if it's managed right, you are yeah. you're make some money, and you'll introduce yeah. a whole bunch of people to your product that it had, probably hadn't thought about your product
1: before.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crossover between timeshare and vacation rentals, it, to me, Alex and I've had this conversation multiple times because, again, Panama City Beach, we have some of it here. But when I was at Expedia, I worked with the Wyndham Ownership Group and Diamond and Westgate. So, I, I they just operated, you know, just like a vacation rental or a hotel. It never occurred to me that there would be this much pushback about the two industries being so far apart and not having any synergies to be able to work together, but talking with someone like yourself, we talked to Lino Maldonado, obviously Lino with, you know, when he was at Wyndham did a lot of their resort quest Wyndham did a lot of things with their, um, their ownership group too. And I just think that that's like, there's such a big pie out there for everybody to grab a piece of it. It's like, we just need to communicate. And so, uh, you know, it's just, I wonder how do we break down those barriers to get everybody understanding that we can all
1: we'll be back after a message from our premier brand sponsor wheelhouse. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, having the right tools and data at your fingertips is critical to maximizing your revenue and profitability. Wheelhouse is a flexible and powerful revenue management platform. Really, Wheelhouse has four products in one, dynamic pricing, booking and pacing, market intelligence, and comp tools. And recently, they launched Hybrid Pricing, the first ever dynamic pricing system to mix rule-based pricing and data-driven pricing in one single platform. You'll be able to set limits, such as minimum price, and be able to specify down to the day of week, monthly rules, time-based rules, and more, and operationally control things like minimum stays, long-term pricing discounts, and even check-in and check-out. It's a very powerful set of tools. And best of all, you can apply these rules at the individual listing level by grouping such as area or bedroom size, or across your entire portfolio. They're offering listeners of this podcast 50% of your first two months. Just go to usewheelhouse.com and enter promo code AlexAnnie at checkout or tell them that you heard about this offer from the Alex and Annie podcast. I think L- Lena, Lena had a great story uh, story about how they did it within Wyndham. And it made a lot of yeah. sense within Wyndham because obviously the business had a timeshare side and a vacation rental side, but they really optimized that relationship. And I think when they set that up and the panhandle, they were getting ready to to roll that out nationwide. And that's when Wyndham got bought. So, I mean, things, things changed there pretty quickly, but as far as the way that we look at it is you know there's there's so much demand coming into the market timeshare does a great job of marketing and getting people here and the majority of people i mean the um, the percentages of people that actually buy i mean it's it's a small i think it's 20% of the tours that they take through that actually purchase. So, you know, to that effect, if if you're able to fill rooms with the people that are not buying, they could come back and potentially be your repeat guest. So, I think it's more about I think there's a lot of there's bad stigma just in everybody's minds of what timeshare is and some of the bad things about it but there are really there are good timeshare companies out there that deliver a good product and it makes sense for people the way that they're set up but you have to kind of take off those blinders and be a little bit more open because that's it's it's unbelievable amount of money that goes through the timeshare industry i mean they smoke vacation rentals so figuring out a way to work together i think just makes a lot of sense yeah It does.
0: It does. It It is interesting because there was a post on LinkedIn um, that I was a part of this morning and and talking about Vegas not, you know, Vegas is looking to put a lot of regulations on vacation rentals. And I said, this is where an opportunity for me, where I think that vacation rentals like VRMA and the American Hotel Lodging Association needs to come together and have a conversation. Because if you look at the strip and the amount of, again, they're vacation rentals technically, but timeshare that's popped up on the strip, they understand that the consumer is looking for that type of product. So the hotel Mm -hmm. segment of business is not tone deaf. They just don't want it to not be part of their, you know, I guess their, their banking, their, you know, their money pool, but the the consumer wants it, like, just give them what they want and let the consumer decide. It's like what they say, the, you know, the, the free market will decide what they want. And, and I just, I, I, I'm just really puzzled at, again, the hotels saying that vacation rentals are not part of it, but they're trying to get in the space and they want to push it out. And there's just so many things at play here. It's a, it's an interesting, uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: So tell us a little bit about, you know, within your markets, what are the things that you're seeing? What are some of the biggest challenges that you you face within Smokies and and North Carolina? I imagine it's probably the same types of challenges that we all face, but what's going on up there?
2: I'm sure sure it's the same. I'll tell you my number one pain point this year. Was the number of units that sold right? Yeah, yeah. The real estate yeah. market has just been on fire for a couple of years. Yeah, and as fast as we're bringing new uh, owners on, old owners that are ready to cash out, yeah, loved us. You know, glowing reviews. But right. how can I say no to that amount of money? And, yeah, you know. Hats off to our business development team that and owner reps that have really stepped it up with, uh, you know. With that, keeping those relationships, with uh, rising to the fact that we're going to need inventory to replace outgoing inventory, by far, that's the number one, yeah. the number one pain point. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. What What percentage of inventory would you say you've lost from your program to sales? i've heard as high as like 15% to in some markets um, uh,
2: yeah i th- i think it could even be higher really those.
1: wow uh, wow
2: maybe under 20 but it's yeah. again hats off to seeing with, yeah. with with new new properties now yeah. I, was, I was at a conference where uh one of the presenters said they lost 50% of their inventory Wow. Uh, oh they Hopefully so they only old. had
0: 20, but yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's around the term, but sure. Yeah, and, still, and uh, obviously
2: they weren't able to replace it. And so that that's yeah. just that's devastating. So we're not devastated by any stretch because we're able to replace and still yeah. grow, but but that's the pain point. Do you have a real estate
0: arm as part of your company?
2: We do. We have a real estate arm in Tennessee. We've got a real estate arm uh, in Georgia and maybe some point in the future, real estate in Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not something we've traditionally done. In fact, the company started with a real estate arm, uh, went away to focus completely on rentals. And really, it's when the real estate market started heating up that the company got back into it and added real estate. Uh, agents, so, so yeah, it's yeah. it's it's coming, it's gone, but it's back again, especially with a hot real estate market.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're in such a unique time too that we've had highs and lows, and we don't really know what we're going into for 2023. But you know, I think anything that we see is going is is showing us that it's going to the demand's going to slow down a bit, and especially if the economy keeps going the way that it is. But how is your team preparing for 2023? Is there anything that you're doing? now or, or things that you're seeing? Well, we've
2: experimented with a lot of growth opportunities. um, But it, for us right now, it, we're back into acquisition mode. Mm -hmm. So when, when you think about it in 2022, the values of companies were so high because of the trailing 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. Buying something, knowing that we were at uh, and not everybody knew, but knowing that we were at an artificially high point of valuation, mm-hmm. uh, it's now come and gone. And yeah. we're actually putting the pedal to metal because season is uh, coming to an end in Tennessee. It's coming to an end in Georgia. It's coming to an end in the panhandle of Florida. Owners recognize that the trailing 12 months uh, might be closer to uh, above 19, near 20, but no Nowhere near 21. Nowhere near Yeah, yeah. So so I don't want to say deals, but opportunities are coming. I think owners have been uh, owners of vacation rental companies have burned out riding that wave. I mean, we were like anybody else. COVID hit. We lowered uh, uh, our our staffing levels. Yeah. we, We tried to make it. Uh, and we were lucky enough that it took about eight weeks after it really kicked off. And then demand bounced right back in Tennessee. And we yeah. we couldn't staff up fast enough. And so I think there's a bit of a whiplash that owners of vacation rental companies have gone through. And now they're they're coming out the other end and it's going down. And they're like, can we survive? Well, yeah. I don't know. They could they can definitely survive, but but it's not like they thought it might be uh as they were in last year, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, They're exhausted. I mean, that's the the overarching thing that we hear people are just Mm -hmm. flat out exhausted. But to your point, we've had a lot of conversations with um, groups about, you know, the valuations that were put out there on these companies, they were, they were a little inflated, but also the focus on, um, you know, how the performance for an organization was overall? Was it healthy? You know, um, Simon Lehman talks a lot about it, and he did, does on our first of the month episode this month, um talking about, you know, your financial hygiene, like having your ducks in a row and really understanding what does it mean to be profitable. And just having 300 units doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be profitable. And if you don't right. have everything in play, to be able to handle the ups and the downs. And, you know, I think you're right. And Alex and I've talked about this since the beginning of this year, we saw that there was going to be ample opportunity for those companies that weren't chomping at the bit to make land grabs. If they just sat back kind of held, you know, held their, their, their desire to grow back a little bit. One season late, like season slowed, there was going to be a lot of opportunity to grab that land at really good deals. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I totally agree. It's, it's a great time to be in the industry. It <laughs> is. It's but it's a great time to yeah.
0: be. Yeah.
1: Well, you think back to like I think it was May or, or around April or May that there was that wave of announcements between Mike Harrington, Sarah Bradford, um, you know, J- Jody. I mean all, Tybee, all these companies that sold kind of like in a domino <laughs> effect. Yeah. And just a very Surprising, you know, because I mean, those are brands that have been around for a very long time, yeah, Yeah, and very respected owners um, within each of those companies. But it'll be interesting to see. I think I think that got a lot of people probably thinking that are similar to them in their own markets, like, oh boy, if they're doing it, maybe I should do it right now too. But then it got quiet. We haven't heard of any recent acquisitions, or I haven't at least. So we'll we'll see what happens as we move into the rest of the year. But I think there's there's still a lot of people out there, yourself included, Scott, obviously, that are, are trying to find those deals and and pick up inventory because that's that's the name of the game right now. But how, how do you... I mean, managing in different markets, that's obviously a, yeah, a big topic and, and a challenge. And, and a lot of companies have tried it but have not done it well. So talk about that a little bit. How has that experience been once you moved outside of like the the region, I guess, from like the Smokies and then now North Carolina or Georgia? I'm sorry.
2: Well, so we've done it all along with with having our corporate office in Cartersville, Georgia.
1: Okay. yeah. Yeah.
2: Working remotely is has it's second nature for us. So we have a center of excellence here in cartersville where we've got a call center we've got uh marketing we've got accounting we've got hr and the things that don't have to be in market but if yeah. you can be remote and be successful what you do in market has to be rock and roll in success yeah for instance your maintenance has got to be on point your yeah. housekeeping has got to be absolutely stellar your yeah. inspections team has to has to be there yeah. uh your uh, your owner reps, the people that when owners come to town, they mm-hmm. want to see a live face, a live body. They want, to, they want to talk to them live on, you know, in their living room. They have to be on point. They don't really need the rest of that center of excellence uh, locally. But right. People that I, or the departments I've just talked about, man, they, they, they've got to be, they've got to be all over it. So that's that's yeah. the key to success.
1: And I think just having the accountability for the people that oversee yeah. those departments in in the local markets, that's probably the most important part of it. Because I mean, what I do in marketing and the team that I manage, actually, several of them are remote. If I wasn't physically in this office, it wouldn't matter to our guest experience or anything like that. I don't interact with the guests. So I, I feel like I, you know, you've, you have a big advantage of having been remote prior to COVID. But I feel like, you know, we're kind of already, we're, we're already remote a little bit as a as a marketing department here. So it makes sense. But just that accountability of your local team to make sure that they're doing what what you would want if you were there. And that's got to be um, high priority, I would think.
2: And I do spend a lot of time traveling, right? I, yeah. I try yeah. to get to the markets as much as I can. And, yeah. And having that face time with the employees
1: is Oh, so important. I can see you do it. You'd be a great candidate for undercover boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true.
0: Well, well, shave your head and
1: have you go into a, I'm a long
0: black wig and shopper. <laughs> put yeah. <him> <laughs> it would be a
1: good so
0: episode. Let me ask you a question on that. Um, one of the things we talked, uh, actually, Steve Milo, we talked to him about it, um, was my experience in the Panhandle when some of the companies came in and bought some other companies. And there was a very large one that everybody knows that came in and bought a lot of the companies, but the companies that they bought had very distinct brands and very distinct styles in their marketing and and they were known for it. And when they became part of this larger behemoth company, all of that went away. And we lost in the market, we lost a leader. We lost the leading, the teams that were leading. We lost that personality that went along with the organization. So Steve talked about initially kind of he was doing where they was branding things under the V trips brand but then he realized like wait a minute each of these have a different style with you know their employees and again the markets know them the locals know them do, what do you see with as you guys grow is it going to be something where you're going to retain all the staff and try to retain um again the local aspect of the operations, you know, the 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 economies of scale that you can run out of your center for excellence. That's that makes perfect sense. But the local flavor of it, is that something that you foresee you'll you'll keep or so blend again?
2: It? I lived through the resort quest years. And yep. yeah, the, the owner was Gaylord, yeah. Uh, hospitality, they were running big boxes of yep. the <laughs> Three thousand yeah. units or something ridiculous like that, and they tried to apply that to the uh, the local companies, and oh, what a mess! Right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, luckily, I was on their dime when I learned that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of
1: lessons learned during
2: those days. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and so uh, I've been uh, part of a process of acquiring three companies: uh, Chalet Village, Mount Vista Rentals, and a Blue Ridge Vacation, and in each. Each acquisition, because I've been there, done that with ResortQuest, uh, we did. If the owners endorsed it, it, the employee, we went hard and heavy after the employee wanted them to be part of the team, wanted them to keep that local relationship with the owners mm-hmm. that they've had. So for instance, Chalet Village was, I don't know, we bought it a couple of years ago. We still have the owner's son working as an owner's rep. And yes. It's so important. And yeah. the owner of Mountain Vista Rentals in Big Canoe, he's still working as an owner rep. And Uh, doing new business development. So owning that relationship with those people is is so important. And a Blue Ridge vacation, same thing. She's a real estate agent. uh, So we're partnering with her for real estate. She's still acting for a period of time as an owner rep and going after new acquisitions. So the same thing is gonna be the case in Florida. The panhandle, uh, you keep the brand that you buy, Assuming you're smart enough to buy a brand with a great- brand, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Branded company. And yeah. you've got all of your inventory within that brand. And even though we're going to have CF uh, Florida CFY as a mother brand, the reality is our inventory is going to be in both places. So mm-hmm. it's double exposure and yep. there's tricks on SEO and things that go yep. with that. Yeah, uh, but that local brand you pour into it, you take whatever inventory you have and merge it into the local brand, and you just make that brand stronger. You can't about yeah. it, and you got to love on the the staff and the people. Of the new organization, yeah. Well, living in the Panhandle, I
0: loved. I love to hear that you're saying that. I've seen yeah, so many. Yeah. I've seen so many go the other way, and having been involved in some and and have friends at work for some, it's been heartbreaking to watch some of them kind of fall apart. So, that's yeah. that's great to hear. So well, I'm, I'll be. Excited. I'm here to clean up the heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be here to I'll be here to wave you into town and, and yeah.
1: You with arms, so. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I just, I think that the people that are doing it right really understand how important human capital is. And Simon Lehman talks about that a lot on our episodes and and events that he's at. And it's just, it is, it's so, it's so important. The relationships that you have, and especially with the homeowners, you can't, you don't want to get rid of those people. That is your tie to them. So that's that's good to hear that you're doing it that way. And then yeah. just you know centralize the things that you can centralize. The economies of scale. I mean, that's that's the biggest benefit there. But, right. And so you, now y'all do you do uh, your own maids or um, linen business as well, right? Centralized laundry.
2: We do in Tennessee. And, okay. Um, you know, our owners have have taken the approach of uh, let's have the best. That there is in the entire market. So we bought. If you want to get into the details of operation, we bought a tunnel system.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've seen that.
2: (laughs) Systems are crazy in how efficient they are. Yeah. So not only are we doing our own uh, laundry, we have become a commercial laundry business. Okay. Doing other vacation rentals, other hotels, and it's uh, it's a business unto itself. So the better we do by uh, expanding our uh, the number of clients that we have and poundage that we do uh, yep. less that's it's going to come back to us for cost of cleaning our own linen. Right. It's a brilliant. Yep. Move. It's a brilliant yeah. Move. Absolutely. The, very you you got to get to a certain size before. five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it doesn't work if yeah, you're doing it for 30 years. <laughs> <gonna laughs> <commercial> laundry business. <laughs> yeah. in Georgia, And it'll be a long time where we have a commercial laundry business in uh, the panhandle, but it, it worked out very well in Tennessee for us.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you learn how to do it and you do it well, then it is absolutely a great part of the business model. And, you know, we're, we're looking into uh, doing our own centralized laundry for our business and it's, you know, it, you save a lot of money doing it that way. And then if you can do it for other people, that definitely becomes yep. a revenue source. So that's very smart.
0: Yeah. So, so, um, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just, <laughs> no. I was going
1: to, I asked you about challenges, but I, I also am curious what you see as the opportunities within the space. Yeah. Well,
2: all right. We've talked about, I think there's going to be a big acquisition opportunity uh, yeah. Going forward. Yeah. Uh, but one of the opportunities I see is, uh, I'll, I'll just jump back to revenue management. I think sure, yeah. a lot of times we have marketed uh, purely from the aspect of this looks cool to go on to Facebook and PPC. I think revenue management is going to start to lead the marketing effort. Yeah. And it. With the analytics that comes with revenue management based on the demand, Mm -hmm. the changes in average rate and occupancy and uh, the trends of size of units and the booking lead time based on size of unit and location, that's how the whole marketing is going to start. So it isn't that marketing is just kind of overseeing revenue management. It's revenue management being so skilled and so good at what they need, you're building marketing plans around what revenue management is seeing. And I think that that's that's one of the big opportunities that's being missed, uh, Mm -hmm. but is coming around pretty fast.
1: Yeah. yeah. And we we've we've talked we've about, that talking about that, a, that a lot lately. Yeah. I mean <laughs> that 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 is the big opportunity within the space is just just in general for marketing and revenue management to work more closely together. Yes. And I, I think we're we're getting to that point as an industry and conferences like um DARM, the data and revenue management event we just went to, that's the that's the breeding ground for those conversations to get started. But I know for for us, I mean, in marketing it's that's always a conversation. You know, is marketing is supposed to create the demand, right? Well, really, the the destination, the DMO creates the demand for the area. Now, marketing's job is to capture that demand, and revenue's job is to have the right prices uh, to make sure that you're going to get that business and they're going to convert. But I think I think you're right, though. I think where the convergence there um, that just kind of closes the circle is really you know leaning into revenue management to know when what needs to be pushed when it needs to be pushed and really when it needs to be pushed. I mean, that's that's the most critical part because a lot of us end up being um we, we, we react too late. That if you've got a low revenue report and now it's June and you realize that you've got several units that are not doing well and you've got homeowners calling, it's too late to fix that situation. So Steve Milo made a great point on his episode that they are looking at this on a monthly basis, you know, from a variance report standpoint and really making decisions at that point on how they're able to to push inventory and you know if certain units are doing very well you know pull those back and let the ones that are not doing well give them some steam and just how you integrate that i think within the website is is most important to give them more exposure so that's what we've found so far
2: <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. i'm i'm in key data every day of the week and yeah yeah, yeah. watching the trends i uh, while we've got weekly revenue management meetings, I I, I pace the floor. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Try to yeah. look at the data and and have my opinions on where the team should go before yeah. I get to the meeting. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I wanted I did want to ask you a question because of your experience um, where you came from hotels and and you've been in the industry um, again quite a number of years and seeing kind of the ebb and flow um, of distribution what is your, what is your thought? You know, there's, there's, there's two schools of thought there's get out on as many channels as you can get on because it's exposure. And then there's the, gosh, don't be beholden. Don't put your stuff out there. You, all you want is direct, but I feel like there has to be a blend. I mean, in my experience has always been that there's a blend and you have to have mindful distribution, which goes back to having your marketing and your revenue management teams in sync and talking all the time, but yeah. what are your thoughts on distribution and, and kind of where it's going? There's a lot of new channels that came out about, you know, through COVID and are opening up little new funnels of opportunity for people. So what is is your company's organization? What are you guys doing distribution wise?
2: Well, let me take a step back. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, uh, We can get into some minutiae here. But I'm going to have the pleasure of being on a panel at VRMA. Oh, you're teasing Hockey us! <laughs> and Steve Milo. So Steve, and oh, I'm shorter right yeah. and older, uh, <laughs> yeah. and we're going to talk distribution, uh, OTAs, and it's a master class. Uh, but yes, I'll give you the short answer here, and then you can come see me. And okay, <laughs> love it. <laughs> you know, okay. Steve, he's full of uh, he's full of rainbows and sunshine, <laughs> and
1: unicorns, <Yes. laughs> so, unicorns, yeah, unicorns. Yeah, yes. exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, we use uh, OTAs and distribution. I've already told you about the uniqueness of uh, doing it with a timeshare industry, yeah. But it- Uh, Like most uh, companies, we want to get as many direct bookings as we can. So the basics are uh, we'll let OTAs uh, book business, and then we're going to own those customers, right? We are going to remarket to them. We're going to tell them that uh, you're going to get a better rate going directly. uh, And we hold our guns in mature markets. So our most mature market is Tennessee. Uh, We do 85% of business direct without OTAs in Tennessee. Wow. Wow. Our, our mid sized market is in North Georgia, where we have more of a blend of OTAs. And we're just starting out in Florida where we're very OTA driven. So yeah. it's not one size fits yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And it's how you do it from A to Z to what's your strategy, what's your price point, yeah. how do you remarket. And that that's the secret sauce and more to come at Verma.
1: Okay, awesome. Oh, yeah, nice and he's
0: there. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> and I think,
1: I mean, knowing that just because you, your strategy is one way in a market right now, knowing that that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that right. way in a year from now, because in the markets that you are more heavily beholden to the OTAs, I'm sure the goal, of course, is to get more history there. Just like you mm-hmm. said, even with new units to the to the program, um, build up that history, and then you can start making some more strategic decisions. But it's. Uh, I remember the very first conference I went to actually was in Destin. It was one of Amy's VRM Intel events in 2016. And I remember the... the i missed the opening, but when I went into the first session, it was straight OTA bashing. You know, and this is I don't feel like we all bash OTAs quite as bad as we did for a while there. Like it it was definitely a trend. I thing. don't know. I worked <laughs> in an
0: OTA. I felt it. Yeah. But you know, I mean we we bash at Airbnb. Yeah. But
1: I mean now that's we true. have like legitimate reasons to. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at, at one point it was like it just seemed like that's what you did because it was yeah. trickling down from the hotels that that's you know the problem. But I think you know, the people that are doing it right, they are leveraging the OTAs. They are knowing how to strategically use them. And like you said, just bringing those guests back. So if it's somebody, if somebody is coming to stay with you and there's somebody that travels all over the place and they don't always go back to the same destination, you know, you're not going to get them back. So just being uh, understanding the fact that you still need the booking in most cases. So just having the right mindset on it is, is where, you know, smart operators need to be. And I think you guys obviously do
2: yeah so so think about it this way when it comes to otas and partnerships let's take uh verma as an example
1: mm-hmm.
2: um i have a loyalty to an airline that has gone back for years and years and years and i want the points and i booked that airline to get mm-hmm. to and Sorry. then when it came to the hotel uh <laughs> and when it came to uh the hotel uh the if Those of you who haven't signed up for Verma, if you don't know, the host hotel is sold out. And so what did I do? I went on an OTA to book my hotel. So that's a combination of a a trip that was non-OTA and OTA in one one trip,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. So there's
2: there's always room for strategic use of OTAs. uh, And then you can choose not to do it as it relates to uh, where you've got that loyalty. And right. The, for the, the airline that's got my loyalty. You're yeah.
0: Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. 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 It just yeah. speaks
0: to the consumer is going to do what they're going to do. And you just have to be out there in front of them, regardless if it's direct or it's OTA, just make yeah. sure you're available to them.
1: And I think there's, there's a huge opportunity for somebody who is in multiple markets to come in and really put together a great loyalty program. We talked about that last week yeah. with on Terry White's episode, but, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I haven't seen anybody really in our space that's doing that well. So maybe that could be you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being here with us today. This has been a great conversation and, and just awesome to learn more about you and, and the business and very excited to see you on stage in Vegas. It sounds like that's going to be yeah. a good panel. So yeah, <laughs> what day is that? Do you know? uh, Okay. I'm honest. I'm not quite sure what day it is. Okay. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah,
2: we'll and find Tom out. We'll key will get me all lined up and, and we'll be yeah. We'll yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh didn't didn't I Alex see that somebody is interested in running for a board position for board? yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I, I put my hat in the ring. <laughs> I, I, my vote is there.
0: My oh, thank you. There. there you go. Let's make sure we get this out right away. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah,
1: I didn't, didn't didn't even ask you to say that? I appreciate that, Scott. But yeah, I'm 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 very excited about it and Hopefully it will come to fruition. I know this is it's a tight race. There's only two spots, uh, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, it this past year has just been eye opening to me, and a lot of that is because of the podcast and the conversations that Annie and I have, and just learning where the pain points are and um, seeing the struggles from the advocacy standpoint. I think the industry is just in a position that we really need a strong branding and communication standpoint on what professionally managed vacation rentals are. What is our value proposition? Because even just saying it as professionally managed vacation rentals, that's that's uh, a difficult way to explain it to somebody that doesn't know what the difference is between Airbnb versus what we do. So I think really peeling back the onion, I think we've got to go back to the drawing board on how we present ourselves. And I, I think that's really where my strong suit is from a marketing and branding standpoint. So I think I would bring something good to the table with it, but we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. But thank you very much. Oh, you're more than welcome. Yeah. You're more than Awesome. Welcome. Well, Scott, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to contact you?
2: Uh, well, anybody can reach out at uh, sbuntz at cabins and bunce is B-U-N-C-E.
1: Awesome. We will put that in the show notes. And if anyone wants to contact Annie and I, you can go to alexandannipodcast.com. Annie, have I left anything out?
0: No, Scott, this was great. And I cannot <laughs> wait to hear who you bought in the panhandle. Yes. Yeah. But let right. us know. <laughs> we want
1: to break the news. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's Alex she, <laughs> News Network.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're becoming a news network, it seems like.
0: Uh, <laughs> thank you, awesome. Scott, well, we appreciate you.
1: Yeah, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Bye.